What's up? What's happening? Welcome to episode 19 of the Yankshaft F1 podcast. Group of American dudes who like watching other dudes drive really fast. Joining me as always, we've got Ian. Ciao, everybody. And from the nation's capital, we've got Johnny Gums. Hey, how's it going, everyone? We're here to break down uh, all the action, not much action, but all the action from Zanvoort at the Dutch Grand Prix this weekend. Break down all the driver changes that broke down this week and give you a little preview from the Italian Grand Prix um, at Monza. Coming up, all that and more after the break. All right, guys, so um, not the not the worst race. I have kind of like two points on this. One was that there it was kind of interesting strategy wise like if we had gotten a safety car in the last 20 laps i felt like lewis could have maybe maybe pulled it out um on fresher tires um and my second point was that i feel like it's only considered kind of a boring race by like 2021 standards because we've been like so blessed with the races this year it it really wasn't that bad there was kind of more overtaking than i thought we would see um in the midfield um, so I guess kind of, yeah, piggy, somebody piggyback off those points. Like what, what were your thoughts on, on finally seeing Van, Zanvoort um, back as an F1 track for the first time in 36 years? Yeah. I mean, I, I didn't think it was a horrible race. It wasn't a great race. Um, if you're newer to the sport um, or trying to get into F1, it probably was not the best race for you to watch. Um, but there was a lot of good, interesting, you know, it was a big strategy week. And honestly, even just seeing Max, um, seeing he could hold on and, you know, his home, basically his home track was exciting. So not a great race this week, but like we've been through, we've seen way worse. Yeah, it certainly wasn't action packed by any means, but uh, I definitely don't think it was a boring race at all. I mean, uh, as easy as Max Verstappen can make it look sometimes, we, you know, we often forget that he's being chased down by the greatest Formula One yeah. driver for the entire the past decade, the whole for 72 laps. Yeah. Something, something like that. Yeah, yeah I think that's it was 72. Just, that's insane. So that was really cool to watch. And then, you know, like you mentioned, Curtis, the midfield battle was really interesting this week and uh, just racing back there for the first time in forever, you know, seeing these guys feel it out and everyone somewhat of a new track. Most of those guys had never really raced there before. So yeah, it was, um, it was a little, I think it was interesting. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I really like the track. I'm kind of torn. I love the track, but I'm just not sure it's ready for like modern formula one. Like it's just not wide enough. There's just not yeah. enough room. I liked like turn three, like the super banked corner. Um, we saw a lot of interesting strategy where some teams were, everyone was kind of taking the the low or the high line rather in qualifying thinking that was faster. And then in the race, Ferrari decided to clearly go for the low line. Like I think it adds some, uh, some interesting strategic elements, but it just didn't, didn't really play out. Um, so Max Verstappen got out, you know, extended his lead to the first corner and never looked back. Um, he got past Valtteri Bottas um, after his pit stop in lap 30. Um, and then Bottas led Hamilton right through, but Hamilton was never able to, to get him. So as a result, we've got Max Verstappen now three points up on uh, Lewis Hamilton in the uh, driver's, driver's standings. Um, after Lewis Hamilton was able to nab fastest lap, we had a six-point swing. And then in the constructors, because Bottas finished third and Checo finished eighth, um, Mercedes extended their lead, so they now have a 12-point lead in the constructors. Getting into that constructors talk, Sergio Perez, not good in qualifying, um, some bad strategy. He wasn't even able to get across the the start line for his last lap, so he got knocked out. So they decided, hey, let's fit him with this new power unit and just take the penalty this week when he's already stuck back in 17th. So he starts from the pit lane, works his way back into eighth, but 
like, it, let's say we saw Alex Albon or Pierre Gasly do that same thing last year, or the year before. Is is the perception different? People were like, he won driver of the day, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I don't agree with that at all. I don't think he deserved it necessarily. Like you said earlier, Curtis, like um, it, it's easy to, to, to have that many overtakes when you're coming from behind in a Red Bull, yeah. um, you know, and, and it wasn't necessarily through any fault of his own. You know, there's there's a bunch of traffic on the track in front of him right before he was trying to make his hot lap. And, you know, th- these things happen sometimes. But um yeah, he's got to he's got to do better than that, and it makes you wonder um, if Red Bull are kind of regretting that. You know, that yeah, and they're bringing him back for next year, but this this hasn't been like a one off incident. We've we've yeah. seen we've seen him have some issues before the sprint quality race in Silverstone where he crashed. Like, this is this becoming a problem, man? I don't think it's becoming a problem. Um, I think anytime you have a Red Bull, you're always held you're basically being compared to Max Verstappen all the whole time, which is just a death sentence for anybody. I mean, we've seen numerous drivers struggle um, in the number two seat for Red Bull. Um, and I don't think Checo's, I'm not hitting the panic button on Checo. I, I agree. I think it's, it's kind of not fair that, you know, he gets praised for having a, a bad, a bad qualifying in the passes, slower cars and finishes eight, even though it is a hard pass to track, or excuse me, a hard track to pass on Jesus um, that we can, that he can have some success with, but no, I don't, I don't think you're ready to panic, but for Red Bull, but I think you're definitely like, okay, like, you know, what's going on? Like, where is beginning of the season Checo? Like what's happening? Yeah. He looked like he started to get some good form and then it's kind of fallen away. Like, I, I guess I don't really have a problem with him winning driver of the day. Like he had a great Sunday, but being in a Red Bull seat, you need to have a weekend, not one day. Yeah. So not just qualifying, not just the race. He needs to put together a comprehensive weekend. Um, some of the same issues we've seen from other guys, and he just kind of really been able to do it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. And and Valtteri Bottas kind of b- bounced back, had a had a good week, uh, qualified third finished third exact he was that rear gunner for hamilton that that they needed um it kind of felt like one of those races where they were going to benefit from having both guys up there fighting against max and it, it felt like it could have happened kind of like uh like the barcelona grand prix earlier this year and, and, and or the spanish grand prix in barcelona where it uh it felt like they were going to be maybe be able to pull it out simply because they had two guys up the top just against max and meanwhile red bull sitting down here with with checo fighting fighting in the midfield um yeah, you know, I, I think it's, I think it's, you know, there's not really much else to say about it. Um, Checo's had, he had a bad Saturday and he had a great Sunday. And you, and that's good for driver of the day. But like you said, you know, when you're in a Red Bull seat, you need to have a great weekend. And if you're chasing the best team out on the field with the greatest driver of all time and you're trying to win a constructors championship, you can't, you can't have these, I crashed the car um on a practice lap or i didn't get or i had an issue with qualifying or my you know i spun out and sprint work qualifying like you said like you can't yeah. have these issues anymore and it's just like it's almost becoming a pattern with with checo which i think is kind of frustrating for him but i don't know i think he'll rebound i think he'll be fine at monza i think he'll get it in the top five again and i think i'll be right with the red bull to number two seed yeah 
at the very least, it's not a good look when you're the number two seat driver for Red Bull and the number one driver for the Red Bull junior team is finishing races ahead of you. Yeah. For on numerous Pierre. occasions. If only Pierre Gasly like drove for Red Bull, that he meant you, you could you guys imagine? Imagine like, if Pierre Gasly got a shot to drive for Red Bull. What 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 could happen? Yeah, that's all we want to see. Just a Pierre Gasly shot for a shot with Red Bull. <laughs> Let's jump right into that. Pierre Gasly, another another incredible week. Uh, qualifying fourth, finished the race fourth, which you know he didn't have to do that much on Sunday. He was kind of like clearly behind the the front three. But there's something to be said for going out there and doing exactly what you need to do, not making any mistakes, finishing ahead of Charles Leclerc um, in a Ferrari that that has looked you know a decent bit faster than them this year. Um, just taking care of business, like every week, Pierre Gasly and. I, I had this thought earlier in the week is, is like, is Pierre Gasly having, I th- is he having almost as good of a season as Lando Norris is having just in, in a worse car? He's, he's been just as consistent and the numbers bear that out because um, over th- the course of 13 races so far this season, Pierre Gasly has finished top six in 10 of them, uh, which is more than qualifying. The, yeah. In, in qualifying. Sorry. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But um, that's still an impressive stat Incredible. nonetheless. Yeah. And um, which is it's even more than um, his replacement at Red Bull, uh, one Chico Perez, if I'm not mistaken. And um, yeah, I believe you're right. Yeah. So and, and it makes relaying that back to our Red Bull and Checo talk earlier. Um, it makes you wonder if they're regretting that decision, because ever since being banished to the junior team, Pierre Gasly's done nothing but silence his critics and and the people who doubted him. And he's been incredible. You know, he's uh one of two guys that have a win, uh, a race win in an AlphaTauri, the other being uh, the legendary Sebastian Vettel. So yeah, Pierre yeah, Gasly's Toro Rosso days. I think that was that was at Monza. Toro Rosso, yeah. Monza. Yep, yep. So it's been really good First to watch win. his. Yeah. It's been really cool to watch his progression this year, and I'm a huge fan of Pierre's. Big fan of Pierre as well, and he does he does a great job when they're and he's just in, he's in a great situation where he is. When he does not have pressure on him, he does really well. And I think if he was if he was asked to fight with Bottas and fight with Hamilton to help for Staffan, I think he would struggle more. I think he would have more. I think he would get in his own head. But Tari is just like, hey, Pierre, go out there, do the best you can. You know, don't worry about it. We're the junior team at the end of the day. And when your teammate is looking, just been not having his season is just tailing off. Um, it's making Pierre Gas look really, really good. And the I'm still on hoping for not next season, but the season after that. I want Gasly to go to Alpine and just absolutely kick ass over there because they could be so cool to have a French driver and a French team with a French car. Yeah, I think hanging out, hanging out at Alpha Towery, you know, like yeah, well, I guess it would have been cool to see him get another Red Bull shot next year, but hanging out at Alpha Towery, you know stick this out and then maybe getting a chance to go to Alpine and really do his thing. Um, seems like probably the best thing for him. Um, I don't want to put him in a box of like that. He's the same guy that he was when he got his formula one debut in that Red Bull seat. That was so toxic that he can't handle the pressure and, and he would get in his own head. Like I, I, I want to believe that he, he has matured enough as a driver and as a person where he, he can handle the big stage now. But it still might be better for him to not be in that Red Bull seat right now, I think, career-wise. And I think all skills being equal, he might be top six driver on the grid. I mean, he's seven. qualifying top six. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, outside of, 
I mean, just looking at him, mean, we don't compare him to Norris, but like he's, I think Gasly's better than Ocon. Um, I think he's a better driver this season, at least than Ricardo. I think I, was, I think he's probably equal with like uh, he's probably better than signs, but it's, he's it's, not it's as good like as a Leclerc. Leclerc. Yeah, it's like yeah. maybe so behind it's like, Leclerc. Honestly, like we we talked about how it's level. the you know the Hamilton for stopping Bottas, Checo. And then that gap between Norris, Leclerc, and then what we're going to be saying, Russell. But um, Gasly is not as big as it was, you know, prior to the season. It's a lot of young guys there in that in that group. I mean, guys all under thirty in their mid twenties. Pierre himself is twenty five. He's definitely matured a bit since his his inaugural debut in Formula One. So. Um, yeah, it's just really cool to watch. There's so much talent in the sport now, and uh, you know, it's it's awesome to tune in every weekend and get to see this stuff. Yeah, we've yeah. got we've got the youngster Norris in fourth, um, and then we've got in, in the drivers we've got uh, uh, Checo in fifth. You know, the, the the old head, and then we've got you know youngster Leclerc in sixth, youngster Signs in seventh, and youngster eight Gasly. It's like it's it's all these young guys, and it, and it's it's been extremely fun to watch. Um, in terms of the constructors' standings, uh, big changes. Um, Ferrari jumped McLaren this week with a big week. Ferrari uh, gained 15 points on McLaren, so they now are 11 and a half points ahead of McLaren. They are in third, firmly in third place in the constructors, which has got to be kind of exactly what Ferrari has been hoping for this year. Let's get into McLaren a little bit though, because that's that's the main reason for this this big shift. Ferrari had a five seven finish, which has kind of been their mo this year, like five five seven six seven. That, that's that's kind of where they've been living. Um, on on tracks that suit their car, and we finally saw um, you know Norris and the McLaren slip up with a 10-11 finish, just one point from Lando Norris. Um, have has any of our our opinions changed on how we think that best of the rest battle is is going to play out? Yeah, I mean, I think if you're if you're McLaren, you're still trying to catch Ferrari, but you got to be you got to be looking at. I mean, Tari's not not that much farther behind and if you keep to slip up like this and we've talked about how gasly has been good and i think norris is going to rebound just a bad week for him um but i to think be that fair, Gass- mclaren has over twice as many points as tyree exactly but it's but it's going to be a, it's, 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 it's it's an issue of that that gap while mclaren which should east should and will easily have more points than tari does that gap's not going to be as big as we once thought it was. Um, and, and that's pretty much my main concern if you're a McLaren fan is that your that gap from Ferrari is is widening and the and the lead over Tari is you know shrinking. We've got an Alpine sandwich there in the middle, but you know. Yeah, I don't I don't think this result is par for the course for McLaren. Um, they're certainly a better team than they showed at uh, Zandvoort. Um, but but yeah, uh, that that gap in points between McLaren and Alpine is a bit fraudulent in my opinion. And I only wish that uh, the two Alpine drivers had been as consistent as they've been as of late. Yeah. From really the beginning on the last, because, races, you know, yeah. I think it would be to the benefit of McLaren if that had been the case, even because, you know, they've kind of just been sitting in this sort of purgatory there better than slightly above Ferrari, but clearly not as good as the two teams yeah. ahead of them. So trading it's hard. Yeah. It's, exactly. It's hard to see them get pushed to improve sitting in that position. So um, certainly looking to see them get some better results here moving forward. Yeah, I think, I think this, I mean, it, it's been kind of, they've been kind of flipping um, back and forth. Um, McLaren and and Ferrari, 
And I think, I think after this week at Monza, we are going to see McLaren back in that third spot. Um, I think this tracks, but we'll get more into this later, but I think, I think the track suits them way more than it does Ferrari who kind of like the uh, high downforce circuits and McLaren seems like maybe the fastest car in a straight line, which again, we'll get it more into later, but um, I guess I'm still going with, uh, with, with McLaren um, to finish best of the rest at the end of the year. Um, even though it was kind of a disappointing week from, yeah. from Lando yeah. Norris. And, yeah. As am I. Ricardo. No, I'm kind of. I'm seeing a lot of Ferrari that I'm not not quite ready to um, just hand it over to McLaren yet. But what? I mean, I, I hope they have success. But I, they got they got we got to Ricardo's got to be better, and that's that's what it comes down to. And and, and to be fair to Ricardo, again, it it seemed like he was he was poised to have a a, a decent weekend. I mean, he he qualified tenth, but he he looked like he was getting into the race, and then. Uh, what he started having like oil leaks his car was smoking at one point like he had more mechanical issues and we haven't seen any of those mechanical issues plague Lando Norris it, it, every time the power loss the you know the engine smoking it, it, it always seems to be happening to, to Ricardo um, but uh, yeah not to spoil anything but I think I think I'm predicting a big week for Ricardo here predicting a big week for him at Monza um, but uh, wrapping up Zanvoort rock star of the week who we got I'm going I'm going Pierre Gasly um, as, as my rock star, rock star of the week, um, with honorable mention being, um, all the Dutch fans, um, just for, for I mean, cool. from everyone that I follow that was at the track, I mean, they said it, it, it felt like a, a festival that also happened to have a, 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 you know, some speedy race cars going around the track. Yeah. I think, uh, I think I'm going to go with the fans just because they're, like you said, Curtis, there was, it looked like an incredible atmosphere. We were seeing so much positive stuff on, on Twitter about it. And just, it was a, it was a race. It was good. There was some stuff that happened, but nobody really like really stuck out as like an awesome, awesome drive. Yeah. Yeah. The, the orange definitely showed out in full force, which was really awesome to see. But uh, in terms of uh, my rock star of the week on the track, I got to give it to, to my old grizzled savvy vet for uh, Fernando Alonso, just working his way through that gritty midfield traffic all day long. 70, it's a long race, 72 laps on that banking on, on those crazy banks. And you know, those, that narrow track, you know, it's it can't be easy for an old guy like that to, to weather that storm all day long. So that was cool to see. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, crushing it at, uh, Ari Leidendijkbach all, 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 all week there at Zamboy. All right, moving into getting into some of the the confirmed 2022 driver changes. Pretty much, I think all the ones we're gonna see. Um, Antonio Giovinazzi is kind of the only the only seat left where that where we might see some change. Um, but the confirmed changes that we did see, uh, we had uh, Kimi Räikkönen announcing his retirement, and that kind of kicked all of this off um, early last week. And to piggyback off that a little bit. He announces his retirement. We're all ready to like to give him like a proper like appreciation this weekend and watch the lad. And he goes and gets COVID, and so we get Robert Kubica, Kubica, filling in for him. And uh, he will also be filling in for him at Monza. He did he did an admirable job, but it was like the most just the most Kimi Raikkonen thing ever where like, you know, he's going to get like a great reception and just like all these people praising him. Like what a career. It's our last chance to see you. Like, man, we really appreciate it. He's like, no, it. I won't, I'm not showing up. I won't even be there. I'm going to get COVID. Doesn't have time for that. No, Typical it, it, Iceman it, fashion. 
It was it was very Kimi Raikkonen-esque and having him just get COVID and then be replaced by a cut this <laughs> is just such a whole such a Why such to bleep a, that out? Is that such such Ooh. a <laughs> Oh man. Well we we we'll have an entire episode dedicated to to Robert Kubica, you know, at, at, at some point on the and line. he was in that nasty crash. Nasty crash. Ago. It was yeah. bad. I thought he was yeah. bad. If, if no you joke. start if you start googling him, uh, which you know I was I was you know reading up on his career earlier, and it, it, if you search his name, crash is the the first thing that comes yeah. up in the suggested he, searches. He definitely filled in admirably, but it's got to suck to be the guy who you, you know. Hey, who do we got just sitting around that we can throw in this car? <laughs> Old old Bob Kavitsa. <laughs> Somebody called Bob. He, Somebody know he Bob. anything. Oh, that's rich. I have no idea how old he is, but no, just yeah, old enough where we should be. He should just be called Bob at this point. So thirty six. Thirty six. Oh my gosh! In Polish years, that's forty five. So he yeah. is he is aged. He's lived a hard life. Yes, uh, three thousand cigarettes later, here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Kimi Räikkönen announces retirement. Uh, the next domino to fall is Alfa Romeo announcing Valtteri Bottas as their driver uh, for 2022 and beyond. I believe was the was the wording of that. So, not just a short term deal, which I know he's been on at Mercedes for a while. So, that's got to be a some good peace of mind for him. So, with that. Uh, Mercedes seat uh, open suddenly I'm sure everyone in the Formula One world was wondering who could ever take that spot Mm. Um, and then it is announced shortly after that none other than George Russell an absolute curveball of a pick comes in to replace Valtteri Bottas uh, at uh, Mercedes for next season Uh, leaving the Williams spot open. I know I brought this up last week that I had seen uh, Alex Albon and Nico Hulkenberg as like two possible names. Um, so the silly season was in full force. We, it is official now. Alex Albon is returning to a formula one seat with Williams um, for next year. My initial thought is just good. Seems good for everyone. Good for every driver. Yeah. Good, good for every team. Uh, how else are we feeling? I agree completely. I mean, it's a good move for for Valtteri Bottas first off because he gets to go off to to a, um, you know not as big of a team. He gets to be the alpha for once. He's not having a no pun intended. To, yeah, he's not ha, he's not having to let Lewis Hamilton blow by him when he's he's out Tell there. Tell him to board as fast. You know, as he, he's the second fastest guy on the track all day long and he's got to let his teammate pass him because he's not the goat. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he gets to go to a team and, and, and prove himself uh, as the top dog. And it's a big move for George Russell's for, you know, big launching his, his future career at Mercedes should be a big one. He's got a lot in store for him, a lot of talent. Now he's got this amazing team around him, giving him everything he needs, um, nurturing him. We, I'm really excited to see what's in store for him. And um, yeah, it's good for Albon as well. Obviously it's always good to, you'd rather be in a formula one seat than not. So, um, and it should be a good move for, for the teams involved. So yeah, I, I see nothing wrong with any of these moves. Yeah. And Johnny, to your point, I think it's, I completely agree. It just, it just, I, part of the reason why we pretty much were able to predict every single one of these moves was that they just all make too much sense. Like yeah. we knew there was going to be an opening at Alfa Romeo. Bottas going there is like, he's like a 
he should be a great fit there. Um, he won't have the success of Mercedes, obviously, but he'll still be a very competitive driver. He'll be fighting for points. He'll be better than Raikkonen and better than Giovinazzi. Um, and then Russell to Mercedes is the one that's really interesting to me because I think that Russell is – I think he's an incredible driver and I think he's a future world champion, but I he's not that right now. And he is going to be the perfect – like. Basically, what's going to happen is Lewis Hamilton's going to say jump, and George Russell will say how high for the yeah. first like. He gets to season. learn from the goat, though, and he's just going to soak up all this information. Like, yeah, dude, like I'll, I'm just going to follow you around. You want to go at me? Yeah. And then after Hamilton retires, then it's George Russell time, and George Russell wins the championships, and that's going to be perfect for him. He's got. Montas has been trying to fight him yeah. now at that stage, yeah. and I think career. Hamilton, I, I think and rightfully Hamilton, so, I think he's yeah. earned that. Agree. I think yeah, he's earned that, right? different situation where Russell isn't quite yeah. there yet, but definitely has that talent to where he's, he's just going to listen to Hamilton. Yeah. And like I said, just soak up all the information. Yeah. Mutual understanding there. I just let him, let him soak it yeah. all up. I, I really, really am excited though, for if we do uh, happen to get, I mean, if, 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 you know, with the regulation changes, if, if George is every bit as quick as Lewis, yeah, I mean, I know, I know it won't be a Rosberg Hamilton situation, but I, I'm just, I, I'm just enthralled with the, the idea of of a uh, of George Russell and Lewis Hamilton kind of battling it out wheel to wheel every week, more so was, than with what? Bottas. That was my initial thought when I first saw the news because I I look at Valtteri Bottas and I see like like a safety net, you know, like the, the Merce- he's always there for Mercedes to fall on when Lewis doesn't have his, his A game that day, you know? So, Poor guy. Um, whereas, whereas um, George Russell, you know, this untapped potential and, and he's sort of like a, a springboard, a trampoline for, for Mercedes to take that. I don't want to say next step because they've been at the pinnacle for the past <laughs> seven years, straight but, championships. Yeah, exactly. But, but um, you know, it's, George Russell definitely has a much higher ceiling, in my opinion, than, than Valtteri Bottas moving he, forward. He passed Val- in his race with Mercedes last year at, at uh, Shakir, or was it Bahrain? One of the races at that track where George was filling in for Lewis when he had COVID. George passed Bottas in, like, the second turn. Got past him and should have won that race. Like well, I, George, I, yeah, she should have won that race. And Mercedes had their, you know, incidents that caused him to and, not But it was win that really race. the puncture at the end of the day that did it. I still, I think he, he still would have won even with the bad pit stop. He record. should have. He should have won that, that race. The world wasn't ready for the controversy back no. then. I yeah, I, I I agree. That's that's fair. Um, Ian, you you kind of brought this up off the off the pod. I want to get back around to this. So, I mean, I know everyone's got different standards um, for what would be, you know, success at their new teams. But who who do we think is is going to have the the most success with their new squad? I guess for George Russell, I mean, that's a high bar. That's probably finishing, you know, second or third in the, you know, in the driver's championship um, for uh, Valtteri Bottas, depending on how the new regulations affect things. I mean, being competitive in the midfield in the Alfa Romeo and for Alex Albon, uh, you know, just kind of being in the mix, but, but who, who do we think is poised to kind of make the most noise in their new situation? I mean, it's clearly Russell. Um, but I think that it's, but that's more expected though, isn't it? That's more expected, but I think it's also with Russell, like for me personally, I think if he's top five next season, if all things being equal, then all the cars are, I know there's a lot of rule changes going on, but all the cars are remotely similar to what they are now. If he's top five next season, I think that's a, that's a good first year for him at Mercedes. Um, I think Bottas actually is a really, and, and I will not, I'll, I'll hold Bottas. 
Albon is just needs to get in points like one or two races and he's fine. He just needs to consistently beat the Haases, fight with everybody else, fight with the midfield, maybe like, you know, show some, get some Tari and Alpine here and there, maybe finish 13th, 14th and fight for points. That's a fantastic. I think the Williams will be a little more competitive next year, but that's a pod for another day. We can't get into all that. The bodice at Alfa Romeo is really interesting because Giovanni and Raikkonen seem to like be stuck in this, nine through 14 back of the pack you have an easy whatever but if bodice can all of a sudden get that alfa romeo to maybe a fifth or maybe a sixth place finish because valerie bodice is a very good driver um that's where i'm kind of more intrigued to see what can happen there because that yeah. I mean, we know what george russell is going to be in a mercedes car we know what i was going to be Williams, but i really don't know what to expect for valerie yeah, bodice. But could like I guess, I guess, kind of me explaining what you're trying to say. Bottas could could maybe have the biggest impact. That's exactly where I was going to go with it. I yeah. Was gonna... I, oh, completely. I, yeah. It's almost like um, I, I don't want to compare it to like Alonso with Alpine this year, but it's like a you know he can get a team that's not used to having a whole lot of points. I'm saying nothing about Alpine, but a team that's not used to finishing a team that finishes tenth or ninth and is a static all of a sudden might be finishing fifth or sixth or seventh. Yeah, exactly. The way I see it, um, I, I see George Russell as being the most poised f- for success immediately at Mercedes next year, just in terms of the support around him and the team and, yeah, yeah. and, and the Mercedes kind of move name. The scale for everybody, you know? Exactly, exactly. So um, George Russell is definitely poised for more success than Valtteri, but Valtteri's, like you said, um, definitely set up to make the biggest impact at the new team. I could totally see him um, <clears throat> um, fighting for, for more points than, than we've seen out of um, Alfa Romeo lately. And uh, to be honest, I don't even know if G- Giovinazzi's seat is safe. You know, they might not be done. It's the a one second, big question uh, mark, really. Yeah. Exactly. It could be a second seat that opens up there. They could be poised to make a big move. So it's... Uh, and we're saying real- that about a guy after... Uh, I got to point this out. Uh, Giovinazzi, we barely we talked about, about him at all. He qualified seventh. Yeah, no. Well, it's seventh he's, in Zanford. Yeah, he's done it. Very, he's had. He's been very quiet all season. You know, for better or for worse, he, we haven't really mentioned his name. He hasn't had any horrible blunders or gaffes. He's clearly a capable driver, yeah. but um, you know, they could Italian like, Jesus. Exactly. You know, you, mm-hmm. with, with a driver with a name like Bottas on your team, you kind of want to match that talent. So they could be definitely looking at making another move. So um, should be interesting to see how it shakes out. Qualified seventh and seventh was seventh or eighth. He qualified seventh, uh, seventh, I believe. Let me see. Yeah, fin- uh, finished, yeah he finished qualified seventh, finished 14th. Yeah, finished 14th. <laughs> yeah, so, he got he got he, he struggled early, but I mean, he was never gonna be able to hold those positions. Yeah. Like, it's it's tough to fault him too much, but it was uh, a peculiar qualifying great qualifying. Session. Yeah, it, yeah, it was, but honest, still, him being seventh under any circumstances, yeah. any circumstances is, is still impressive. Um, that's kind of like all we got for the 2022 changes. Moving on to a preview of the 2022 Italian Grand Prix from Monza. Um, I rewatched the uh, Drive to Survive episode um, about Monza last year. It was basically the Ferrari episode from this this last season because Monza was <laughs> such a disaster Eesh. for Ferrari last year. Um, so that kind of hurt. Um, um, it's going to be a lot different this year. We've got sprint qualifying making its second uh, – second appearance of the season. Um, first one being at Silverstone, obviously. I think that that is going at this circuit. I think that's going to be great. I think we are going to see a completely different strategy in qualifying because a, a lot of it being that 
the uh, tire requirements are different. So you don't have to you don't have to start on the tires that you make it to Q3 in. Um, it's free tire choice for the sprint race and for the race itself um, at such a, a fast track. I think we're going to see a lot of interesting strategy um, at, at Monza. I mean, Temple of Speed. We know that that power is a big thing here. I'm predicting a a big again. We had Ferrari had a, a tough time last year. We had uh, Sebastian Vettel's brakes fail, and there's that hilarious video of him crashing through all the styrofoam boards on the track. Because all the brakes failed. Uh, and then Charles Leclerc at the Parabolica just slams his car into the wall, loses the rear end. Um, Lewis Hamilton got a 10-second time penalty um, for going to the pit lane when it was technically closed. I still don't know exactly how I feel about all that. But anyway, Pierre Gasly took his first and only Formula 1 race win. Feel-good moment of the entire year. Feel-good moment of probably like the last three years, in my opinion, was Pierre Gasly getting that win at Monza. Um, so going into, into this year... I think Ferrari will be better than they were last year, but I, that car doesn't seem to be very good with long straights. A uh, car that I do think is very good in long straights, the McLaren. I am seeing big things, big things for the McLaren this week. Um, my hot take is uh, Danny Rick top five. How are we feeling? Uh, McLaren top five, absolutely. Right, we can go McLaren top five. I, I shouldn't have made it so specific. But it won't Andy be Daniel Ricardo. It'll be Lando <laughs> Norris. I think we're looking at probably a seventh or eighth again for Ricardo. Yeah, if 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 Ricardo finishes top five, he's gonna have to get through my, the the defending race winner from last year, Pierre Gasly. Um, and I just don't see that happening, to be honest. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, it's. I a... want Ricardo to do a shoey fin for finishing fifth. That's you know that, that's all that's all we need. We'd love we'd love to see yeah, we'd love to see both McLarens up there. But I yeah I think it's I think Lando will Lando will rebound and then you know maybe okay I can see six seventh for um for Ricardo for Ricardo Monza. But that's probably about it. So, so last time out, you guys know, so obviously we mentioned Pierre Gasly won his first race at Monza last time out there. But uh, do you know how the rest of the, the podium shook out? Signed second, right? Signed second. He held and, off signs. Yeah. And, and one that. Lance Stroll. Lance Stroll, Stroll went off the track. Stroll went off the track at one point. He could have won that race. Lance yeah. Stroll could have easily won that race yeah. if he didn't go too deep. Uh, too deep into that last uh, chicane. Oh yeah. man! And then that the the pace that was perfectly timed pit stop by Alfatari there after yeah. as they were peeling the Kevin safety Magnus cars car off the track. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, got <laughs> so, out ahead of everyone. So weird things happen in Monza. So maybe it should be a good maybe yeah uh, maybe Lance Stroll gets uh, rebounds gets gets some good points for Aston Martin and uh, you know. Has a good weekend. Has a good week in the uh, Italian countryside. Yeah. Well. Okay. So, I, and I realized that we we never did um, get into uh, wanker of the week. Um, and speaking of those wankers of the week, kinda, um, it was kind of heavily implied that it was Checo, wasn't it? I well, yeah, but I, <laughs> wankers of the week and wankers of the season for me, kind of, kind of Aston Martin. Like I can't, I can't shake this feeling that they are just. And Ian, you mentioned it after Hungary that. Oh, if, if Lance Stroll had gotten that one race win like Esteban Ocon had, we'd be singing a different tune. But, dude, it hasn't happened. Like, yeah. Aston Martin Aston Martin is sitting down here in seventh place with 53 points. Alpine has 90. Yeah. They're ahead of 
Alfa Romeo, Williams, and Hess. <laughs> well, we remember how bad they, they should have been third like, last year before the penalties came in. Vettel was horrendous beginning of the season. He's kind of yeah. rebounded and had, some but he issues. spun out this week. Yeah, and he's and he's had his issues again. And, and Lance Stroll has just been there. Um, he's been there, but that's all I got to say about it. He's been well like said. he's just Giovanni with a rich dad. Yeah, Aston Martin certainly haven't haven't produced to their standards this season and they certainly deserve some flack but my wankers of the weekend the entire weekend has to go to Haas the the debacle during qualifying they're out here impacting other professional drivers lap times on qualifying and that's just completely unacceptable because yeah, if we're gonna you know crap yeah. all over Vettel and Aston yeah. Martin part of that exactly. was uh, the Haas's fault Be- because that whole incident happened and then I you know I saw I get on Twitter and all the Mazepin jokes were quick to come out but honestly, as big as an idiot as he can be sometimes, this is on this is on the engineers who can't handle both drivers. You know, there was confusion between Schumacher and Mazepin on on whose turn it was to, yeah. to take the hot lap and and they were trying to get past each other. And and meanwhile, while that happening while that's happening, neither of the engineers think to get on yeah. the radio and let him know that Sebastian Vettel's and coming up behind And you've got real teams and real drivers coming up behind you yeah. trying to do a qualifying lap. Yeah. And and here we are five days later, and neither, neither driver still is accepting any sort of responsibility or even just explaining what happened. The yeah. Haas is an absolute dumpster fire right now. They're a dumpster fire. The drivers aren't good. The engineers are worse. And the people in, in the positions of power that, that enable all of them are the worst of the worst. So whenever they get wankers of the weekend. When they get that Russian billionaire money, they're going to be fine. Uh, we'll see. They've been developing no. that 2022 car all year. No, so it's coming. I'm, you know, you know, I'm sure it'll be, I'm sure it'll be better next, next season. Um, all right, I kind of already gave my hot take of uh, of of Danny Danny Rick um, top five at, at Monza this week. Um, this circuit does seem to favor favor the Mercedes. So, I mean, I'm I'm thinking I'm thinking we're gonna see it's gonna be a Mercedes. I don't know if it'll be Bottas or not, but I'm thinking we're gonna see a Mercedes win the uh, win the sprint race and start on pole, and a Mercedes win the race itself. Um, hit me with either, you know, just kind of a, a race prediction, hot take, whatever you guys got. I think the, I, I, it's going to be boring, but I think, um, I think Verstappen is going to win the sprint race. I think he's going to qualify pole. And then I think Hamilton's going to win the race. Yep. Yeah. Boring. Yeah. But fair. Yeah. Sam, I see the, the podium shaking out in the usual fashion of, uh, you know, two Mercedes, a Red Bull, two Red Bulls, uh, actually not. The old uh, Hamver bots. Yeah. My, so, yeah. yeah, I could see that happening. But my hot take is actually going to be that, uh, I, but I don't know if it's as so much of a hot take because it's been happening all season long. I got uh, Gasly qualifying and finishing ahead of his rival, quote-unquote, Checo Perez. Yeah. Wow. Continuing his, his, his hot run of form. Pretty hot, pretty hot. All right, we'll uh, we'll unless you guys got anything else for for Monza, we'll uh, we'll check in with you next week after the race, see how things uh, things shook out at the Temple of Speed. That's all we got. Uh, follow me on Twitter at C Bottoms Up. Follow us on Twitter at Yankshaft F1. Email us at yankshaftf1 at gmail.com. We'll catch you guys next week.